Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we begin our membership series that we're running in January uh, every year. Uh, we're going to be covering things a little bit differently than last time, so it's not just a total recap of last year. Today, we're focusing in on the context of community and what it means to consider relationships into uh, the major decisions we're trying to make in our lives. This is crucial to what we're trying to do as a church. Speaking of relationships, we have our marriage course, uh, Relate, coming up in a few weeks. You can sign up at northshorevineyard.org. We also got a women's Bible study. There's information on all this stuff at our website, so check it out uh, or visit our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. Let's go ahead and head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard. here. My name is Crispin. We are happy to have you with us this morning. On the uh, front of your bulletin, there is a connect card if you want to find out more information about anything, got a prayer request, uh, comment, contention. Uh, fill that out and you can drop it in the offering basket here in a moment. A um, couple of announcements. We have a, uh, our course Relate coming up, which is a course for uh, couples. We did this last January, and it's basically we turn this uh, church into a restaurant. Every couple has their own table. You get a nice uh, Italian meal prepared. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's some of the best Italian you're going to find on the North Shore. We really do mean that. And um, you get here each week. You get 30 minutes to just sit down, have a, have a meal together, and then me and Dina... Dana, my wife, who's back with Children's Ministry, we get up here and we kind of uh, lead a very conversational talk through some of the topics each week. Uh, the cost of the course is 75 bucks per couple, and you can sign up online at North Shore Vineyard uh, right now, and next week we'll have a sign-up sheet here. We also will provide childcare for five bucks per kid per week. So anyway, that's going to be, we're gonna, last year we did it seven weeks, we're going to do five weeks this year because Mardi Gras kind of interferes with going much further than that, so, but we can tell you everything we need to know about marriage in about five weeks anyway, so, <laughs> uh, also, uh, the women uh, have been doing a book study the last couple of months called The Good and Beautiful God, and now they're going to be launching into The Good and Beautiful Life, and this is at Judy LeBlanc's house, uh, which is listed there on your program. Uh, there's some new books, if you want to be a part of that. They've got all that stuff outside. You can sign up, buy a book, and um, I hear that's been going great. So it's a it's on Thursday mornings at ten o'clock in the morning. So if you're free and a lady during the day, uh, think about attending that. All right, that it. Okay, y'all are y'all are telling me like you know. Uh, I'm going to pray over the offering and then we'll uh, pass that around. If you came prepared to give, you can drop something in the basket. Lord, we just thank you for blessing us. And we just want to give back to what you're doing. We pray to be good stewards of this money that would go to the furthering of, of your kingdom and your purposes here in downtown Covington. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last January, how many of y'all were here last January? Last January, we, we started... What I said would be a reoccurring thing, so I'm honoring that commitment. Um, we started a membership series during the month of January to where we kind of focused in on some of the basic 
aspects of what we're trying to do as a church, the things that we're going to emphasize. And we invited people to consider these things over the, the month. And then if, if you feel like God's calling you to be a member of this church, then great, we'll give you a chance to sign up. Now, the reason we started doing it this way was for several years, people would ask me, how do I become a member of North Shore Vineyard Church? And I'd be like, uh, just show up, hang out, you know, and didn't really have anything formal. But I really wasn't that much into the, the typical church membership idea. Typically, churches, you, you show up, they say, go to a membership class on Sunday nights for six weeks, and then you sign up. And um, I don't know, that kind of seemed to me to not have much bearing on your actual spiritual life. It's more like you go through a class, you say, okay, I agree in this stuff, and then I'm just going to be a part of this church. But the problem is, you could have done membership in a church 10 years ago and not really be living those values in a way that that really has bearing on your ongoing spiritual life. So I figured, if we're going to do membership, we're going to do it like a magazine subscription where we renew it every year. So... Uh, some of y'all are like, great, I want to opt out this year. Uh, <laughs> I fulfilled my commitment, thank God, I'm out. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to be covering kind of some basic things over the next few weeks that, that are fundamental to, to what we're, we're doing here. But also, we're going to give you the chance to just kind of pray about this. And if you want to sign up, then you sign up for a year. We ask that you commit to being a part of this church for a year and, and that you... Uh, you, you give place in your life for emphasizing the things that we're covering. You don't have to be a member to show up or, you know, come here on the weekends. That's fine. Uh, membership doesn't have many privileges here <laughs> other than free coffee. Um, but uh, that's kind of what we're doing. So the series is called Life Connected. And for those of you who were here last year, we are covering some of the same things, but I'm going to cover them in a different way, so you don't need to check out for the next month. And Oh, I've already heard those messages. Uh, we're going to cover some things from a different, maybe in a different way over the next few weeks, but then also um, going to kind of talk about some, some specific ways, that, uh, areas that I think God's calling us to in the coming year as a church. So how many of y'all, here we are at New Year's. How many of y'all have made some New Year's resolutions this year? I won't, I won't embarrass you by asking what they are. Uh, you know, I got to this place probably in my mid-30s where I resolved to never make resolutions again. That, that, they, that became my yearly New Year's. Like, that's what I can do. It's like giving up fasting for Lent. Um, and, and part of the reason is that I, I'm sure that everyone has had the experience of making a New Year's resolution only to break your New, res, New Year's resolution within a couple of weeks, three weeks, uh, four weeks down the road. We all come into the New Year typically, and I'll speak at least for myself, I come into the New Year a few pounds heavier than I was back in the earlier part of November. My exercise routine, if any, has, has just been interrupted sufficiently by holiday parties, the kids being out of school, and so our rhythm's thrown off. So when I get to New Year's, like, I look at the guy in the mirror, and I'm like, I don't like this guy. I would like to make a change. And, uh, but the problem is, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, we often make them out of this kind of emotional place. Like, I hate the way, like, I'm not disciplined, I'm fat, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm in debt, whatever. I'm, I'm ready to be a new person. And, and the way we think oftentimes as Americans is that 
we can just choose to be different people, right? That's the, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make a difference in this world. But what I want to say today is that that approach to changing your life is not, un, not unlike trying to change the, trying to deal with the problem of weeds in your flower beds with a weed eater. I love weed eaters. You know, if you got company coming over on a Friday night, uh, a weed eater and some mulch, man, you're good to go. It'll look like you, you've got a perfectly manicured area. But how many of you know that, that that weed eater hasn't really solved the problem of weeds, right? If anything, those weeds, when they come back, they're going to come back with a vengeance. It's going to be worse than it was before. But that's the way uh, resolutions often work in our life. We are trying to deal with surface behaviors instead of getting down at the soil level of our life, what I would call the context of our life. You know, one of my Facebook friends that I, I, I became friends with over this last year is a really smart guy. He's a theologian, Bible scholar from um, Pennsylvania. And this guy has posted enough stuff on Facebook to actually have a book. I mean, somebody actually said that, like, why don't you put a book out of all these, you know, a lot of people put a couple of sentences. This guy posts like 1,200 words every time he posts something. But uh, they're fascinating, like, articles to read. And, you know, he, he presented this idea, which I really bear witness with. I, I believe he's onto something that, you know, oftentimes we think of ourselves as individuals. You know, I am... Everything in my life is just due to my own individual choices. But really, we're interdividuals. We're interrelated. So it's not just I need to make choices in my life. That, that I need to deal with the relational context. So, so neurologists and people who study human development, they've actually seen this with, with kids a baby in the first 18 months of life, a baby needs to be held. And that has to do with how the actual brain will be formed in that child. There are certain things in that child's brain development that won't happen unless that child is held and nurtured and loved. It doesn't necessarily have to be the mother. But, but there is this thing within us as human beings that it requires that we be in relationship with other people to unlock the things that are within us. You know, if you took a baby, and, you, and this, would, this would even sound cruel, if you put a baby in a room and made sure that baby had food, and all the physical needs met, but, but limited the contact with that, that child with any other human beings, 10 years down the road, that child would not bear much resemblance to a human except in physical form. Because our very ways of understanding language, the development of our personalities, uh, the, the ways of transmitting culture, they don't happen as isolated individuals. They happen as we're connected with other people. We are inter-individuals. And so to try to deal with behaviors in our lives as if we are isolated, alone people and we can just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps is silly. It might sound appealing. It might sound like the, those are the prominent voices in our culture. Just, just say no to drugs. Just be a different person. But we are interdividuals. This is something Alcoholics Anonymous uh, discovered years ago. You know, if you want to... There are people... I've known plenty of people who've tried to, to quit alcohol or quit drugs or cigarettes or uh, 
just by pulling them, you know, cold turkey, right? But for the most part, people who try to quit any addiction cold turkey, it doesn't work for very long. You know, it might get you a few weeks down the road. But what AA has discovered is that, that, that if you really want to deal with addiction, you don't work the 12 steps by yourself. You join a community who's on recovery. You, you become a part of a group of people who are dealing with, with 12 steps together. So you come into a room. You hear stories of people in their struggles and their successes. You get a sponsor. Somebody that you can call up day or night with, with, you know, when you're struggling with, with giving into addiction. And so AA has been tremendously successful of, of helping people get out of addiction because it doesn't deal with the behavior. It deals with the context, the soil, the interrelatedness. If you want to see change in your life happen this year, I challenge you to stop looking at your behaviors and start looking at the context of your life. How are you connecting with others? Maybe you have toxic relationships in your life. That will, that will bring you down real quick. But let's get down to the soil of our life, the, the interconnectedness. Because that's, after all, that's what the church is. It's a group of people who come together who are trying to head the same direction. We're a community of people submitted to Jesus who are trying to live out the ways of the kingdom and help each other do that. And though it has become trendy to abandon the church in recent years, I still think that the church is the wisdom of God, as it says in Ephesians. I think the, the church is God's plan for, 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 for bringing his kingdom to earth. I believe it's his plan for showing the world what Jesus is like. But the only problem is, that we have a lot of temptations in our culture that keep us from, from realizing this reality. Some of them are our own hang-ups, and some of them come from the, the, the culture we live in, even the technologies that we use. I want to show you a little video. that This is one of my favorite videos that I came across this last year, which kind of gets down to uh, some of the temptations to artificial community that we face in our lives. Check it out. The individual is measured by personal achievements, such as having a career, wealth, a self-image, and consumerism. In this course of action, many people lose their social and familial connections in favor of a self-actualization ideal. As the social fabric in the Western world weakens, it is not surprising that more and more people define themselves as lonely, and thus, loneliness has become the most common ailment of the modern world. One of the possible reasons for this ailment is the online social network. In a world where time is money, in which our surroundings heavily pressure us to achieve more and more, our social life becomes tainted and more demanding than ever before. And then there's technology. Simpler, hopeful, optimistic, ever young. We become addicted to virtual romance, disguised by the social network which supplies an impressive platform that allows us to manage our social life most effectively. However, our fantasies about substitutions are starting to take a toll. We're collecting friends like stamps, not distincting quantity versus quality, and converting the deep meaning and intimacy of friendship with exchanging photos and chat conversations. By doing so, we're sacrificing conversation for mere connection, and so a paradoxical situation is created, in which we claim to have many friends while actually being lonely. So what is the problem in having a conversation? Well, 
It takes place in real time, and you can't control what you're going to say. And that is the bottom line. Texting, email, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want it to be. We get to edit, and that means we get to delete. Instead of building true friendships, we're obsessed with endless personal promotion, investing hours on end building our profile, pursuing the optimal order of words in our next message, choosing the pictures in which we look our best, all of which is meant to serve as a desirable image of who we are. We're expecting more from technology and less from each other. The social networks aren't just changing what we're doing, but also who we are. And that's because technology appeals to us most where we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We are lonely, or we're afraid of intimacy, while the social networks offer us three gratifying fantasies. One, that we can put our attention wherever we want it to be. Two, that we will always be heard. And three, that we will never have to be alone. And that third idea, that we will never have to be alone, is central to changing our psyches. It's shaping a new way of being. The best way to describe it is, I share, therefore, I am. We use technology to define ourselves by sharing our thoughts and feelings, even as we're having them. Furthermore, we're faking experiences so we'll have something to share, so we can feel alive. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone, but we are at risk because the opposite is true. If we are not able to be alone, we're only going to know how to be lonely. Two temptations that we each face that keep us from authentic community. One is the artificial community that we, we are in, we're just bombarded with in life. You know, this little device. I, lo I love social networking. You know, I'm not, I'm not preaching against that, lest I condemn myself. Uh, I love Facebook. I love Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. But it is so easy to find yourself in moments when you're standing in line at Walmart or when you're just sitting at your home and nothing's going on. You're alone on a Friday night and instead of sitting there with those things or instead of calling an actual friend up <laughs> and having a face-to-face -face encounter, we medicate ourselves with these little devices. We distract ourselves with artificial friendships because the people... The, the, the you that you show on Facebook is that you that always looks awesome, right? Like, who picks bad pictures to put up? You know, like, does anybody, like, wake up first thing in the morning and do a selfie? <laughs> like, look at me in bed. Ain't I magnificent? Nobody posts online about, uh, you know, the troubles they're having with their kids, you know, their kids uh, or... or uh, how undisciplined they are and how, how unself-controlled they are. Nobody posts that stuff. We show our idealized self, the, the self that we want others to see. But the, the flip side is the, the, the selves that we see of others online. It's not the true self either. The, the truth is that the true community is messy. It's messy. You try to be in relationship with someone, it's messy. Because in relationships you get the unedited version of people. You know, when you're dating somebody, they're getting kind of the edited version, right? Versus the you when you get married. I remember when me and Dina were dating, it's like, you know, I'm writing songs, I'm, you know, cooking her meals and stuff, and, you know, we're, we're just always looking good for each other. And then, 
you know, then we get married and it's like, wow, this is the real you. <laughs> the unedited version. And there is something when you get married that it's all that junk, you know, that, that nobody saw starts coming out. And, and that's, that's scary. It's a lot easier to, uh, to, to turn and run than to, to face those things about yourself sometimes. Because being in relationship is, is tough. I have to say that, that marriage is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and Dina would agree. But it's also the best thing. Because it's in marriage that I have learned a love, in spite of all the hard times, it's, I've, I've learned this love for another person that, that I never thought could exist. Because that love's been through the fire. It's, it's been tested and tried. And, and but the, the, the truth is that the temptations of our world are increasingly moving us to a place of not having any places where we actually have to have face-to-face conversations or navigate relationship or work through things. The truth is, if you look at the, at, at the New Testament, the pictures we see of the church... It is not something you would put on Facebook. It's not edited very well. I think that's one of the greatest uh, reasons why we think the, the, the New Testament was inspired. Because if it was written just by humans uh, with, with no inspiration, you wouldn't have put Peter in there or Thomas. Uh, you wouldn't have had the fights with, with Peter and Paul. You, you know, you would have left a lot of that stuff out. We see that the early church, as, as much as God was moving, it was a place of relational friction. <laughs> Quite often. So the first temptation that we have that, that keeps us from community is we settle for artificial life. We settle for just the, the stuff that's manufactured through technology. We never actually get face-to-face and put ourselves in situations where we have to navigate a relationship. The second is we don't even think we need it. You know, growing up as a, as a Christian in, in pretty much evangelical churches, uh, common thing in evangelical uh, churches is you need to have a personal relationship with God. You need to have a personal, quiet time with God. And I agree with that. But I think there is this sense in America, modern day evangelicalism, that, that we focus so much on you personally having a relationship with God that we forget that you can't have a personal relationship with God outside of your relationships with other people. There's nothing in the New Testament that would lead us to believe that you can just say, it's me and Jesus. You know? Twelve years ago, I was ready to give up on church. I mean, I'd had some bad experiences. My my first church that I was a part of, it had some very toxic leadership, uh, a lot of manipulation, guilt, legalism. I mean, it was a mess. I mean, the further I get away from it, the more I kind of think it was a a bit (laughs) cult-like. And so there came a point just a couple years after that, I'm like, I'm done. I want to just, me and Jesus, because it's, it'd be a lot easier to follow Jesus if I didn't have to be around other people, right? And I think if I could have become a monk at that time, I probably would have, but I don't think they allow you to be married if you're a monk, usually. And so I was ready to give up on church, and I see that nowadays, that, that particularly millennials, um, People below 30, are, they're, they're abandoning the church uh, faster than any other group in, in the history of the United States. And it's not that they're giving up on belief in Jesus. They just don't see any need for the church. What I say is that 
the church, as, as it says in Ephesians, is, is the wisdom of God. It's God's way of showing the world what he's like. Hebrews 10 says this, verse 24, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what church is. A group of people who meet together, who spur one another on to love and good deeds. People who encourage each other. People who kick each other in the butt sometimes. But that's what the church is. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't give up doing that, as, as a lot of people are doing. But, but understand, that's part of your natural habitat as a, as a Christian, is, is being in community, relationship with other people around Jesus. Now, when I say church, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about just coming to this service on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about having connections in your life with other Christians in your day-to-day life. This is important. I think it's, it's, it's great that we worship together, that we dig into the, the, to the Bible together, that we hang out, drink coffee together. This is important. What we do here is important on a Sunday morning. It's important in our spiritual life. But it's important that we also have this in our day-to-day life. I lived probably my first decade of being a Christian alone. I mean, I had people in my life, but I was pretty much going at it alone. I didn't have anybody who was seeing beneath the surface of my life. They were getting kind of the Facebook me, even before Facebook. And God began to break me out of that years ago. And I began to discover that Christianity, uh, if you want to thrive in it, it takes other people in your life. If you want to truly thrive, not just survive and get through and show up, if you want to thrive, it takes being with other people in your journey, having other people in your life. I know a lot of pastors who are alone. It's epidemic. I know a lot of pastors who they lead churches, but they don't have relationship with anybody that can be open and honest with. And I, that's just a nightmare to me. I, I don't think I would have made it. You know, we, we, this is our four-year anniversary today of this church. Oh, yay. <laughs> we, we might make it. <laughs> this thing might, might take off. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think I would have made it four years if I was this isolated individual trying to live out my faith journey by myself. If I was just trying to tell people about Jesus but didn't have anybody in my everyday life that was helping me go after God, I wouldn't have made it. I thank God that, that from week to week, I've got people in my life who encourage me, who challenge me, who kick me in the butt sometimes, people who pray for me, uh, people that I can call up when I need to. And it is that interconnectedness that has caused change in my life. So I want to encourage you today that when it comes to New Year's resolutions, don't give up on resolutions, but do a different kind of resolution this year. Instead of looking at the behaviors in your life that you want to change, look down at the soil level. Look at the context of your life. So if today you find that you're, you're here and you're in debt or you're having a horrible time managing your money, find somebody in this church, and we've got some, who've been in debt, who've come out the other side. 
and hang around those people. Invest in those relationships. If you're here today and, and your marriage is, is kind of in a shaky place, find a couple in this church who have been through the fire and come out the other side and invest in hanging out with them. It's not that you got to do a Bible study. Just invest in that relationship. If you want to be, you know, exercise more, find a group of people that exercise and hang around them. You know, Jenna started a running club a couple months ago. That's a great thing to do. Join a group of people who run. I, I, there, there's been plenty of times, the first of the year, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. And I get through about day two and a half. <laughs> I'm like, forget it. <laughs> this hurts. <laughs> Find a group of people that are doing the things that you want to do. Invest in those relationships. Stop trying to deal with your behavior as if it's this isolated thing. Get around a healthy context. Surround yourself with people that are taking their journey seriously. And you're going to find that by investing in that, you begin to change. I'll give a little example from my own life. You know, I, I, I'm a songwriter. I've written a few hundred songs over the last 20 years. Um, but in the last couple of years, I haven't written that many songs. And I, I you know, that's a big deal to me. So I kind of like, I'm like, man, I'm not writing any songs. I wish I was writing more songs. And so last year, my resolution was, I want to write more songs. But what was different about this resolution from others is that I began to participate in communities of songwriters, both online and in actual life. And I'd say that I've written more songs over this last year than I wrote in the past two or three years combined. It's not that I was more disciplined at writing songs. It's not like I've learned more information or taken classes on how to do it. I simply tweaked the context a bit relationally and started hanging around and, and collaborating with other people who write songs. And the effect is that even when I'm not around those people, it's changing me. See, that's the thing. When you start having relationships in your life, it doesn't just change you when you're in relationships. It changes you when you're on your own because you're living as somebody who's not an island unto themselves, but somebody who's connected. So I want to I ask you to, to think about this coming year. What relationships do you think God is calling you to invest in this year? Where do you think you can invest some of your time and energy with other people? What kinds of people do you think God may want you to invest with in this coming year? Now, as it concerns the church, I'd say that you know, one of our, our pillars, uh, one of the main values that we, we're doing here is that we want to be a community of people uh, you know, that, that are connected to one another. That's huge. And I, I believe that. You know, we started this church four years ago, and I look around at, at, at all the new people that have made their way in, and, and I, I, I love seeing how lives are getting intertwined and connected. I love seeing how people are taking care of one another and praying for one another, and I want to see more of that. And so the things that we do as a church are, are, are throughout this year, this coming year, are going to have a huge community aspect. That's why when we, we do a whole lot of things in here around tables with food, it's not just that we like to eat, which we do, but it's that we know there, there's, there's no better place to, to get to know people and connect than over a meal 
So we do lots of that stuff. So it's integral to what we're trying to do, one of our core values as a church. Now, that said, I don't have a whole big list of things that you can try in this church this coming week. Like, uh, now, now I'm going to tell you the list of small groups that you can go to. We don't have a whole lot of small groups other than the ladies' thing going at the moment. We will have some more coming up. Somebody asked me at the end of the last service, like, dude, I totally agree with everything you said. That's awesome. How do I do it now? <laughs> How do I make my way into relationships? And some of you this morning, maybe you, you're an introvert. Maybe making relationships is hard. Maybe you feel isolated and alone. Uh, look, a lot of people think that, that just assume that I'm just, it, relationships are easy. They're not easy for me, okay? When God began dealing with me in this area about 10 or 12 years ago, um, it started for me with prayer. I'd been to a retreat up in, in uh, Estes Park, Colorado, and God just busted me up in a good way. And we had some just incredible small group times. And when that thing was over, the leader of my small group said, do you have anybody you can continue this with when you get back? Now, I was on staff at that time of a church of close to 2,000 people, and I didn't have one friend that I could go below the surface with. And all of a sudden I realized, like, for all of, all of the people that I know, all the people that I'm up in front of each week, I don't have hardly anybody that I can actually talk to about anything other than the saints and the weather. <laughs> and so I went back, and you know what I did? I said, God... This is, I, I realize for the first time that I've been living in isolation, and I realize this is a bad thing. You know, the first step to recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous, the first step of the 12 steps is admit that your, your life is out of control and you're powerless. Jesus kind of put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, if you don't realize your spiritual poverty, you don't get the kingdom of heaven. There's something about realizing our brokenness that opens us up for the grace of God. And so I'd say this morning, rather than give you a whole formula of a bunch of things you can do to, to, to invest in relationships, all I can tell you is maybe for you it starts with prayer. Maybe for you it starts with realizing that this is a problem. This is a problem. You can't keep living like this. And so begin going to the Lord. I, that's what I did several years ago. I said, God, I don't even know how to start. I've been isolated for so long. I, I don't know, like, it's not like you can just like, hey, call someone up. And <laughs> I said, God, please bring some relationships like this into my life. And, you know, within three or four months, that's exactly what God did. And God began breaking me out of my, uh, th th this place of isolation and bringing me into fellowship with other people. And I tell you, I've never been the same since then. And as much as I believe in having a personal relationship with God and reading the Bible, I can tell you that, that now that I'm connected to other people, I'm getting more from my relationship with God than I ever did with me and Jesus. Because now I got the context right. So my resolutions for this next year, they, they, they really don't have to do with any of my behaviors. But they have a lot to do with the kinds of relationships I'm going to invest in. At the end of this year, I'm convinced that investing in relationships is going to pay off, not just for other people, but for myself. So what does this have to do with our church? This is one of the huge values of our church. And, 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 and if you commit to be a part of this church in the coming year, 
If you commit to actually being in relationships, let me tell you, you're, you're going to have some times where you don't like being at North Shore Vineyard, where people are going to hurt your feelings, uh, you're going to be misunderstood. If you get in relationship with people, it's not always going to be, praise the Lord, hallelujah, <laughs> bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sometimes it's going to be very hard, but like any great relationship, it's going to be worth it. Why don't you stand up? And close us with a word of prayer. Lord God, I, I pray for those who, who may feel isolated and cut off today. And I just pray, Lord, that you would you'd give them the wisdom and the courage to, to move out of where they're at. I pray that you would set people on the paths to connect with those that you would have them uh, connect with in this church, in this community. God, and I, Lord, I pray that you would bless this church with the, with the ability. Lord, you would just give us the grace to do that, God. It, it seems like in, in such a, uh, in our world of social media, in our highly individualized culture, God, I, I think in many ways we're losing our ability uh, to, to have meaningful relationships. And so, God, I just pray that you would you'd give us wisdom. You'd give us grace to do that, God. You'd show us what it means. Lord, let us be a community of people who love one another, that the world might see that you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, some of our prayer team guys up here and gals. And if you want to stick around and get some prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, see you next weekend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Who dat? All that stuff.